I'm Jay Matthews, and this is AD Update. Happy homecoming, everyone. We're homecoming week here at Briarwood. Man, it's been a fast, fun week so far. Powder Puff game yesterday and a lot of fun activities. And super excited about having with us today a new coach to Briarwood, a guy we've known for a long, long time. But, man, we're already just gleaning from him and Tony uh, Johnson. Tony, man, thanks for being with us. Well, thanks for the invitation. Uh, the pleasure's all mine. <laughs> so we're going to talk a lot about uh, your background and what what you've been able to do for us in PE and football. But I wanted to – I guess I wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to start out the podcast about uh, how there's always these sound bites that kind of get re- repeated frequently. And the one I hear quite frequently – is uh, you know how we uh, constantly hire insiders, so to speak, you know, and we do have a long list of people who uh, have been here a long time, uh, graduated from here, have come back, or coaches, uh, internal coaches that we've promoted. Uh, but I'm just looking just on my short list right here, uh, a short list of you, Kyle Tatum, Chris Heap, Sarah Wilson, Anna Hicks, Luke Miller, Matt Durkin, Kyle South- Southall, Mike Bautista, you know, so that's that's just a, a, a start. So we always have these great new people come in. You join that list, but you're only here a short time and then you feel like an insider because I think there's a kindred spirit about the faith, so to speak. So real quick, you're new. You've been on the job now, um, not even a full semester. You know, you're 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 teaching PE. You're coaching football. So how how's it been? Uh, give us a kind of an assessment of, of of what your early initial experience here has been. Oh, it's <clears throat> it's been a great experience. I've been really blessed. Uh, the, the thing about places like Briarwood is not just the fact that you're dealing with people with the Christian faith and and you're using your your talents to to share the gospel, but to uh, to advance them, you know, mis- mentally, physically, and emotionally, and just the people here, you know, uh, for a great example was, is my daughter went to the emergency room in June, and I think Bobby Curley beat me to Children's before I got there, and you know, so that's that's been a great blessing. It's been a it's been a great transition. Uh, my son came here, and and it's been a great transition for him, and we're we're all very blessed. And the other unique thing is, uh, I don't know of any year we've hired more people that were already at Briarwood Church, and that includes you. You're a Briarwood Church member, so give us a, a just a brief background of how that happened, because I know it was kind of a COVID year thing. But correct, I, we, my wife and I, we were members of Helena United Methodist, and and uh, we were faithful in our church there, and 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 was active there, and, and COVID hit, and you know it it just sort of changed a lot of things, and. And our church wasn't open. You know, there were Sundays that even on Easter Sunday, I showered and got dressed and put on Sunday clothes to watch church on TV. <laughs> and and then I went. We one of the churches down uh, towards Chelsea had an outside service. And if you want to say, man, you you honked the horn. And it was you know, and they had these offering plates on long sticks. And you know, but it was a to me, it was a needing feeling empty of, of wanting to 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 worship. And so we started, and I knew Brent Reese, and, and I knew John Phillips, and, and they were Broadwood members. And I knew I started looking up online and saw where they're open. And so 
we went, and I, I went, and then my family went. And you know what's so unique is that there's there's all some sometimes a negative connotation of this giant church and they're self righteous and and that is so untrue you know pastor harry reader was such an incredible man and preached the gospel with such was with such faith and about love for people and 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 how he talked about how he was a flawed person and he that made him even a better minister you know but anyway so we started going it was open and we would go to preaching and what's so funny is that you go to eight o'clock preaching and there was no Sunday school, so you get home at nine thirty. Well, you think it's time for lunch, but it's really not. So you know, <laughs> when you're used to going to church and eating after church, that was different. And and then youth group opened. And my daughter's a real shy person, and I said, if you'll just go to this D group one time, I'll buy you ice cream. And they did a great job of putting her with a group of people, and and she just fell in love with it. And then my son fell in love with it, and my wife fell in love with it. And we visited several Sunday school classes. We ended up in Sojourners. And just a group of people and you know i'm a very big believer that if people don't have a church family they're missing out of a lot especially mm -hmm. if you don't live close to family yeah. uh, i've been a great example of that that when there's times of crisis your church family rallies around you and i i really have empathy for the people that don't have that and so we're uh pastor reader did, did say and you know Briarwood is not a large church, it's a small town, and there's a lot of truth to that. You and I have run in the same circles for decades, right. you know, running in each other. and We probably knew each other all the way back from Sam Graham's camp for football camps that's for right. Christ. That's right. That's Golly, that's that's an amazing memory right there. But So you, you grew up on Sand Mountain, right? Yes, sir. I'm from County? Yes, sir. Okay, tell us a little bit about your background, and then we'll kind of go through a few of your coaching stops, because I'm... I'm it's not so much the resume of schools because there's a bunch of them here, but man, a great resume of coaches. As right, well, so. I've been very blessed. I grew up on in Sand Mountain, a little town called Geraldine, Alabama. There was 56 my graduating class, and and uh, you know a, a classic small town. And so played football there and basketball and active in church and those types of things. And then you know I, my goal, I always wanted to play college football, and uh, I got a chance. Bobby Wallace gave me a chance to, to play college football at the University of North Alabama. And so what a great place to be, you know, a, a great university. And and uh, I was really fortunate that I was redshirted as a freshman, and I graduated on time, and then I went back and played my fifth year. And uh, it was so funny. I, I turned down a couple of jobs. And I, one, a hard, one of the hardest semesters, I was doing my student teaching and going through spring training and football, and that was that was tough. But – uh, but I knew it for you, though. Yeah, it did. But I wanted, I knew I wanted to. There was something about I wanted to finish what I started. And I remember having the senior run through when they introduced the seniors on senior day. And so I was, I didn't want to waste that last year of eligibility, just you know, because I, I could put my life on hold one more year, and and I did, and, and we won a national championship. And what's so unique about that '93 team is that there, at one point in time, there was over 20 guys, if not more, of us that were in coaching. You know, after one semester, I knew what I wanted to do, and and I think a lot of us, that's what made us unique. Of you know, they always still talked about how many players would pile in their offices to watch film. What was it like being the big guy at a small school? Because I've always been fascinated about these linemen that come to these camps, and they've been like the only really big guy, you know, or one of a few, and then they meet their brothers from other places, and it's like this great bond, which is. So um, 
you know, symbolic of what an offensive line is anyway. So what, yeah. what was that like? It's real humbling because what's, what happens is this, is all guys that are big for their age, well, they end up stuck with people older than them <laughs> that's about the same size. And so you really have to mature fast because you might, you might be, you know, 220 pounds at 14 years old, but they're going to stick you uh, – with seven, 16 to 17-year-olds to compete against. I remember uh, when I was a freshman, and this, gosh, this would never happen today's time, but our varsity team didn't have enough to scrimmage. So our high school coach at the time brought in these old-timers. Really? And I was scrimmaging with the old-timers versus the varsity so we have enough. So we so imagine that happening today. And so <laughs> – I was in the huddle with these grown men in their 20s, you know, and they'd say, Stevie, you remember that play we ran against Sylvania? Let's run that right there. And then they would tell me what to do. And then I was, and so you end up in that that uh, atmosphere where you're always around when you're bigger than everybody uh, by, you know, not on purpose, but you end up around a lot of people older than you. So I'm looking at this list of head coaches that you worked for all these years and, um, you know, Chris Yeager, Jack Wood, Sammy Queen. I mean, these are guys that, you know, have been around and so well well known and, and so many others. You were a head coach at one point yourself. So thinking through, it'd be impossible to list all of them, but talk a little bit about how your playing experience and then becoming a coach, these coaches then begin to kind of you know, develop for you what that eye was for what winning football looked like because these guys are all winners, proven winners. You know, Chris Yeager gave me my first job in 1994, and I interviewed for over three hours. And so the first, you know, he showed me around, and and then all of a sudden he said, uh, "What was y'all's favorite play at UNA?" So here I am, 22 years old. Well, I draw up the belly. That was, and I had to draw up what everybody did. And he said, "What happens if the end squeezes?" I said, "We run 48s, the belly option." And then he stands up and he said, "I'm a freshman offensive lineman. What? Dude, I don't know anything." So I had to teach him my progression before I even knew what the word progression meant of offensive line. Well, then it was a D line job. So they brought in the defensive coordinator, and they they uh, he taught me the D line progression. And then I had to take notes. I could do whatever I wanted. And then they brought in the maintenance guy, and I had to coach him. And so before really? it's – oh, yeah, I had to coach the maintenance guy how to stance, starts, and all those things to play D-line. And before you know it, my tie's off and my, everything's off. With that being said, with Chris Yeager, there's two things I learned. I learned about, you know, being a master technician at your position and the little things that works and how to teach in progression. And that if you can't teach in a progression, you don't know how to fix things. That's right. That's right. And with, with Chris Yeager, too, is about being a servant. And I'll get back to that. Working for Jack Wood – I'll never forget, in 1996 was my first year, and we go to the semifinals. I was coaching the offensive line, and he met with all the coaches. Mr. Hewitt-Trussell. Hewitt-Trussell. During their great run. And, Mike and, Sanders. Yep. <laughs> Mr. Sanders was one of our assistant principals and that kind of stuff. And and Coach Wood did not – he did not say one word about, hey, the old line did this, did that. He, he, the first thing he told me, he goes, now, you've been here a year. Here's what you need to know. You need to know where where all the uh, air, air filters are, so we we'll need to change the air filters. You need to know this salesman, and you need to know that salesman, and you need to know how we fix this, and you need to know how we order that. And he had this, and he had this saying that goes, "We fired those little elves a long time ago." Like <laughs> when you went on road trips, little elves didn't get, did not put garbage bags on buses to throw your garbage away when the kids got through eating. We did that, you know. So the 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 <clears throat> you know everybody loves the on the field, the grass stuff, but he taught me so much just the profession of coaching of how to. Be professional, teach another coach. 
you know, the profession of coaching outside the white lines that, you know, you know, and that's why, you know, over the years I've been in charge of equipment. I've helped paint the fields. You know, you hate, you learn how to do this. I've been, I've worked with, I've been in charge of the spirit packs and all this kind of stuff. Right. The things that people don't see that has nothing to do with what's on the grass. And that, that's what makes you a great coach. I, you know, two, two stories about that, you know, uh, my first job, you know, I got mad at a kid. And I said, if you don't like it, just get out of here. Well, we get in a staff meeting. Coach Yeager was really, you know, he was really polite about it. He goes, let me tell you everybody something. There's only one person that runs people off on this on this team, and that's me. If you have an issue, you come to them. And I was like, okay, he's talking to me. And, well, 20 years later, <clears throat> I'm at Asheville High School with Bubba Walls, and we had a young coach. And he said, if you don't like it, get out. Well, and, and so I took the kid. And I said, no, 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 you go see the head coach. So I pulled the coach aside, and I, and I told him, I said, there's only one person that kicks people off the field. And I'm telling you this because I learned it the hard way. You know, so you learn those right, things right. through along the way. I was at Hewitt Trustville talking about professionalism. My first game, <laughs> and we were coming back, and I started waving a white towel. Well, come Sunday, I wondered why nobody was sitting by me. Well, all of a sudden, Coach Wood said, Big, you know, Coach Johnson, can you see me afterwards? And he had this ch blue chair in his, in his office, and that was called the Do Better Chair. And, you know, if, you, if you're not in trouble when you talk to you, sit on the couch. But if it's a do-better chair, you know, you're the blue chair. Well, he said, you know, we're at Hewitt, and we don't do things like that. And you're too good of a coach to people think you're an idiot. You know, so I learned, <laughs> you know, so – and he was a little more colorful with it. But it, it taught me a lesson that there's a ideal of professionalism behind yeah. this profession that, that you really have to learn. So 29 years, what was that process then of, of thinking through – you know, now retiring from the public sector, considering a place like Briarwood, what, what led some of those decisions for you and your family? Once you get moving into public school years and those years click by, you know, hey, I'm not going to – there was one chance I had a chance to move to Georgia, and I thought, you know, I got too many – you don't do that. You know, you know, th there's a bigger ends, means to the ends at the end. And so when 25 hit, there was a couple – there was an opportunity that didn't work out for a private school – and, you know, we lived in separate communities. And so, you know, and so there's a couple, about three reasons. One, uh, we live in Helena and I coasted Mountain Brook and you can't, you know, in Mountain Brook schools, which either you, you know, just cause you teach there, you can't take your ch child there, your, your student there, your son, their daughter's there. And I get it because, you know, those people pay a lot of property tax and they want you to pay those taxes. So there's, I, you know, that's just part of it. And so I'd missed like six of his middle school games and, in, in two years and that yeah. was hard you know and, and I you know and uh, and so when my daughter you know I never you know there was lots of times you know my daughter and I would compete against each other in track but I was there for her stuff you know but his you know that kind of things and so I knew <clears throat> at the end of last year when we made it to the state championship game I said you know I need to do something different and then when this you know and Coach Forrester and I started talking and you and I started talking about you know, hey, there might be some possibilities, and and uh, I remember we we're standing behind the field house with the Rodell thing, and we were talking about it, and and uh, you said you think the Lord's leading you to come to Briarwood, and I said more importantly, I hope the Lord's leading you to invite me to Briarwood, <laughs> you know. But so that was an opportunity, and I, I talked to my son, and I said, hey, this is an opportunity that I got. Do, would you like to do this? And it, it's a great transition from middle school to high school if we did that. Instead of, you know, my daughter's a junior. She decided to stay, which is perfect because everything she's involved in, she's in choir and National Honor Society, basketball track, and all those, she's implanted there. So it was a great opportunity for that, for us to do that. And us, to him to be here, we ride to school together every day. I'm his position coach, and, you know, I'm, and, you know, and, and uh, so that, you know, you can't, 
put a price on those things. Yeah. And then there's a, another aspect of it financially. You know, you you know, you've put your time in in public school, and then you know, at some point in time, you peak financially with that. And this was an opportunity to, you know, the first time you see that pension check in your in your account. I didn't retire to quit. I retired to make money. You yeah. know, and come here and, and you know, and I started a second retirement. So, for and and you know, and there is a there is a uh, a comfort of, of the days changing times that you're at a school that values Christian values, and yeah. you don't you know. I'm sure eventually, it, even the great schools I've been at, there's some issues they'll have to deal with that's that the world throws at us that that you don't have to deal with here. And, yeah. and my son's the same way. In some sense. Football is becoming more and more universal. You know, we all kind of understand, you know, gap schemes and counter schemes and zone blocking, and there's universal language about fronts and coverages. But uh, it was also kind of a little bit on us to say, all right, what can we learn? You know, how can we grow? You know, how can we improve? And for you to come in with this great knowledge of, uh, you know what you've built over the years, especially the last few years with Coach Yeager and all of the uh, intricacies of that Mountain Brook run game that everybody so admires. And so you've got this kind of blending now, now of things that are similar, things that are different, language that's different, you know, and then having all that come together uh, in terms of kind of teaching things a little bit different. Fundamentals are kind of the same, but Talk me through that process of, because you've been doing the same thing for you know, years and years and years. It's just boom, 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 same thing. So now you've got to kind of come in and there's this change in the air, and we're all having to kind of do it together. So what's that been like for you? It's it's been really exciting. You know what changes, and you know as I do, just like you've in a new role uh, at the school, it, it sort of re. Re, you know, it re-energizes right, you. Right. You know what I'm saying, and so that's been an exciting thing. And you know, and and uh, it's just you know, like you coaching quarterbacks. There's a certain thing, the fundamentals of where where their feet's got to be, arm socket, and those types of things. Well, the thing about old line play, which is so unique, is that before you know how to block a play, you better know what a uh, assignment is. You better know how to block. Right. You know, and then it's the you know the first thing you know is you approach it. You know, we we talk about you know. This is all about a stance, approach, contact, and follow through. You know, where's our hat supposed to fit? Where's our hands? And then into the follow through is the finishing, which is the grit of the whole thing. You know, so that was the biggest thing of teaching these, you know, teaching these guys, and, and they've been very eager of, hey, this is our approach of how we do this. And let's have a common language when things happen. You know, and and I think it's you know when I told these guys the first day and keep talking about, you know, we're not going to worry about a front. We're going to worry about a principle of how to do this. And then when it's like, you know, and we learn these principles together and we work together. You know, I, I think, you know, if, it, I, you know, you got to push them, but if you have you get a lot more out of those guys if you're like, hey, I'm here as your consultant and I'm giving you these principles because when you go out there, I'm giving you the keys to the Ferrari. And you've got to make the adjustment. So let me give you the best thing that can do this. And so uh, that's been the that's been the you know the biggest thing is teaching them hey how to how to think for yourself. What is our principle? What is our rule? <laughs> yeah. And let's roll with it. Now listen, if the rule is wrong, it's my fault, and we'll sit down and figure it out together. It's been exciting. There's some some things that that even you know I'll you know we were looking this week about a couple things of fits of 
of pulling and, and contact. I looked at us. Well, it, you know, it, it's exciting. You, you know, because I don't mind. You know, I don't mind when something doesn't look right because I can get it on film. They'll, you know, lots of times I'll ask, "What do you think about this?" Well, the biggest thing I want to do is let's get it on film and let me figure it. Make see what I like and don't like and figure it out. You know, and that's that's the fun. That's the fun part. Yeah. So this season in particular, you know, I mean, game one, we had zero offensive production, right. you know, playing a really good defense. But there were things, you know, we, we, we weren't snapping the ball real well. We, you know, and to see just in the short now four games, you know, how far we've come. We're not even close to being where we need to be. But talk through a little bit of that, uh, you know, the, the blending of an offensive staff that's new, a lot of new language and techniques. Right. Uh, we, we really revamped a system – with your help, and it just takes time, doesn't it? I mean, oh, it, it does. You know, it, you know, you just don't, you just don't add water. You know, especially you know, and you know, for you know, and and you and 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 uh, you and Coach Curley have such a great feel of what how to blend things around here and how to do things, and then you know, and and then Kyle and I come in and you know, sort of we're we're making sure that we can fit in with with you know that we're doing it the right way and it's together and everybody's been so receptive you know it's not you know it's not coach Curley's offense and it's your quarterbacks ain't mine it's it's a unit of all of us together right and when you get that feel that's when you know uh everybody you know you get a lot done and the guys have come a long way and we just needed a little you know there was we could even know the the game what didn't turn out the way we wanted the first game you know, we could show on film, say, look, look where we are if we'd have done these these things right, right. here against a really good. It's probably one of the state's best defenses. Yeah. You know, and we and a good personnel. And then there was there was things on film week two against Spain Park that we started moving the ball and got a little more cohesion. And, and we're like, hey guys, look if we fit right here where we're supposed to fit. You know, and where if we fit right here and. You know, and I know those guys laugh at it, and you know, Coach Forrester and all those guys are great, you know, defensive coaches. But I told our linemen, I said, guys, defense is like uh, painting by the numbers, and there's nothing wrong with painting by the numbers. It makes a pretty picture, you know, if you stay between lines. I said, but offensive line play and offense is a Picasso. It's yeah. the Sistine Chaplain Chapel. It's details. The yeah. devil is in the details. Yeah. And if you got to get those right, and you get a masterpiece that doesn't happen overnight, right? And then the the fact that we have to go and practice every day against one of the best defenses in the state, uh, just even letting our guys kind of grow up and to just at least compete, right? Oh uh, yeah, because we're not getting much success in practice for yeah. a while either. Yeah, we? and you know, and and I wanted those guys to know, hey, you know. They've been used to being, hey, we're supposed to get kicked around. No, we don't have to get kicked around. You yeah, know, let's yeah. let's fight back a little bit. Yeah. Let's get after their tails. And it's iron sharpens iron. If we're better, they're better. Yeah. So your first coaching experience is 1993. So I'm, I'm always fascinated about this question. What's changed? What's changed now that you're in 2023? Um, The summers have changed. It used to be – Hey, we're going to take these three or four weeks off or whatever, and some people still do that. And then, guys, the weight room is going to be open from sixth, and then, and then we're going to, you know, and then it's going to be open at seven. It's going to be open at those times, and then we're going to lift and we're going to run and we're going to go home, you know. And that's what you did. Like when I was at Hewitt, we had a morning workout and an afternoon workout, and you came and you lifted weights and you ran, and there was no football involved. And then 
late 90s come, and all of a sudden, hey, guys, let's go out there and throw a little 707. Yeah. And then all of a sudden uh, – And nobody was really throwing it. No. It, you know, then. and when I – when I start, when I went to Hewitt, when I was at Walker, we were the Veer, and then we were in the double slot through a little bit with Bubba Davis, and then uh, when I went to Hewitt, we were in the wing T until we had a guy named Brandon Cox, who was a Mister Football. But when I in 1996 at Hewitt in Jefferson County, every school ran the wing T. Uh, when Tyler Watts was at Pelham, yeah, and Rick Rhodes, Rick Rhodes, they started throwing it, and then. When Rush came to Hoover and they, you know, the spread came around and everybody, we went and visited Tony Franklin. What really changed the most is the approach, especially is the approach of the summer. And it's yeah. really, you know, now your first day of practice in August is no different than your first day in summer. You know, you've right. got to practice. You know, to, you know, these schools that don't do that, they're not keeping up with the Joneses. And that's yeah. that's been the biggest change, I, I think, is is the approach in the summer. Yeah, because think about two. How everything builds on itself. The number of schemes you'd have to, you know, number of formations you ran in the 90s. All right. Uh, everybody had a tight end, you know, then spread comes in. Well, then the defense will start running more stuff. And now the number of formations, movements, defensive alignments, movements, stunts, blitzes, disguising coverages, you know, simulated pressures. Uh, it's a full-time job now, right? Oh, From yeah. From a mental standpoint. Yeah. And then uh, probably the other – oh, 100%. And then the use of hands have changed the game and our approach to practice. You know, I, I remember when I played, there was this – some drill, I don't know what it was worth, that you lined up helmet, helmet, the, the official – and I mean, the coach blew the whistle and you ran into each other. And I'm like, I don't know what that taught, but that's what – you know, <laughs> we really don't do that anymore. And it's probably – you know, our approach to practice – that you know we'll scrimmage without without pads on, but we you but the use of hands have allowed yeah. that, and that's yeah. probably the one of the other biggest difference in the game is the the you know the, who is most dominant with their hands. So tell me some coming the Briarwood stories, uh, some comparisons or, or things you've kind of joked with the coaches about because there's been some some funny moments. Uh, you know, my first day, you know, first of all, I think being at coaching at Mount Brook for nine years really prepared me for you know being here. No I think I think. Yeah. This places like this is a niche place, you know, yeah. and, and and places like this in Mount Brook will extend your career because you don't have to be, you don't, you know, they, they, you got kids that want to please you and do right, you know. There's right. so much easier, but like the very first day, they were like, "What's what was P like today?" And I said, "Well, I said if Mayberry had a PE class, that's what I had for seventh, eighth grade boys." <laughs> and then, you know, either you have a handful of Eddie Haskells, which there's nothing wrong with Eddie Haskells, and then you have your, you know, you have your Opie Cunninghams and. You know, I've done my best. You know, I, I you know, it, you, as you get older, you hopefully mature, and then you have these moments where you you want to get after them, and then there's moments you got to pull back, and those get after them moments, you know, your your terms have to change, which is a good thing. You know, yeah, it needs to yeah. be, and and so, and you all maturate for that, and then you know, to tell on myself the the first week of the practice, you know, Austin, my son, said he's talking about how much every oh he loved the kids and the coaches, and we pray before practice and we pray after practice, and people knew his name, and, and you know, everybody was just not just very welcoming to him. He goes, and the only person I heard use a word of profanity was you, Dad, and I was like, well, you don't have to tell everything you know, you know, uh, we'll keep that our secret, but you know, so it, it's a, uh, you know, it, you know, what's so great about it is here. Is that we are giving them a Christian education and a Christian example, 
but at the same time, that example is you're not a wimp. You're a fighter. You know, yeah. and I, you know, that it's okay to be a, it's okay to be at points in your life to be mean and violent, and that's what football gives boys. You know, and stuff. And it's okay to be competitive. It's okay to want to win. Yeah. You know, and and that's you don't have to be passive. That's right. You know, and you learn. And then you got to learn, you know, and you learn when your battles are to fight and when your battles are not to fight, you know. And, and but that's, a, I think that's a big deal, you yeah. know. And I think that's, you know, our our programs here are as competitive anybody in six A. Right, right. Going, you know, us going to Briarwood has really helped me challenge myself to 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 strengthen my even my faith to, right. to be better. You know, you're, you know, you know, you guys are always talking about your 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 accountability groups and your and your Bible studies and you know and those types of things and finding great examples from the from the Bible of of life lessons and and, that, and even as a 50 year old man 52 year old man you know I need that you know yeah. I, you know we all need that that correction you know and and it it, it keeps you I think a place like this it, it also makes you stay accountable to your faith right because that's what you're representing when you put that Briarwood T-shirt on, shirt on, or you go out there and represent the, your school? Well, I'll tell you this. I've been so thankful uh, that the Lord's been gracious enough to see some of the benefit because uh, we, you know, we were having to really fight perseverance with the kids themselves, you know, because they hear the outside noise. You know, uh-huh. you're 0-2, you haven't necessarily looked great, you know, and, you know, at that point – all the naysayers come out, and and to see uh, to see everybody kind of hang together and keep working and keep believing, uh, and then the that we see we start seeing some tide turning and the winds winds kind of change. And listen, we've not arrived yet. It could it could take another turn tomorrow because there's just things out of our control. But I was so thankful because I felt like all of that work you were doing and the foundation you're laying, I knew we would start seeing it at some point. I'm just glad we start seeing it a little sooner rather than oh, later. 100%. Yeah, because it's easier to kind of coach up from a winning perspective than that, you know, having yeah. to work from that, you know, feelings of loss. Yeah, that that film, you know, I was probably as hard, probably harder on those guys in film from our two wins than I was our two losses. Like, yeah. hey, this was good, but this was bad. We can do this better, and we won. You know, so I was able to, you know, when you lose, you got to give them, correct them. But you can't bow braid them. You you can't. You, yeah. you just gotta you gotta just correct and move on and say, hey, we'll get better. And you know, if people will watch us um, throughout the this season and to come, there's a little, little more, a little bit more and more of Mountain Brook kind of showing up here and there. You a little bit there? here, a little bit there. You know, <laughs> what's so funny about that is we played out here when I was at Mountain Brook in COVID in 2020, and so nobody took buses. So Brent Reese and I sat in the uh, in his truck, and we played this game. Who'd get out of the car? Is that a Malbrook kid or a Broward kid? And there was so much. The only difference between a Broward kid and a Malbrook kid is eight miles. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. and yeah. so it really fits in well here yeah, with yeah, that. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity that you guys gave me, and I'm, I'm very blessed, and it's, it's, it's been real fun. Yeah. at Briarwood Christian School in Birmingham, Alabama. And each episode of this podcast is dedicated to our coaches, volunteers, and other staff members who help us wrestle with what it means to be a Christian, competitive 
athletics program in contemporary society. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of AD Update.